Thank you for coming and listening to my show once again. I'm sorry I've been away for a while. Um, I started a new job. I've been working more at my primary job as a substitute teacher, and the two combined have proven to make it difficult for me to record just because I've been drained. Um, this is Kai Shua, your loyal host. Yours truly. And thank you. Domestic Policy Chief John Ehrlichman told Harper's reporters years later, Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Excerpt from How to Be an Anti-Racist, page 25. Thus, blacks anti-war activists were being consciously vilified and thrown in jail for drug use for political reasons. In seventh grade, a Burlingame Intermediate School, girls still needed to wear dresses, and you could not vote until you were until you were 21. I wore a dress, but got called into the principal's office for wearing excessive makeup. Meant for young girls with too much eyeshadow, but they decided to apply it to me, who was dressed as Raggedy Ann. That all changed by 1971. Airline flight attendants still needed to wear skirts and dresses until 2003, so don't laugh. Getting to wear pants at school was a big deal. Jeans were in. The Vietnam War was raging, and the, th and the thinking was, if you could be drafted, go to war, and be killed, you should be able to vote. Thus, the voting age was changed in time for the 1972 election. The Hobbit was the J.R. Tolkien book that everyone was reading. I was not even into pleasure reading. Not sure I read it then. LSD was prevalent. I spent at least one day high at school, but didn't get caught. We had a few other trips with Carol Sue, Lynn and Root, and Lynn Root. Probably saved those stories for a different section. I met my good friend TC, whom I remain friends with to this day, along with her siblings, Colleen and Belinda. We took the bus to school and back. Some days, Jim Barnes and I would ride our bikes. Mine was a green Murray Stingray. It took about an hour, so we had to leave early. I remember bumming for spare change so I could buy a grilled ham and cheese sandwich out of the vending machines. They replaced the cafeteria at school. By eighth grade, my allowance was $3 per week. I could save for three weeks and buy a lid, one ounce of pot, roll it into joints and sell them for $1 each. My first venture into entrepreneurship. I was dating Tim Waite, hanging out in my father's workshop that I converted into the shed with, back, with black lights. The red wicker couch, perfect for making out, and the big overstuffed chair that some guy carried over from a house that had burned down at Howard Avenue and Stanley Road, or maybe Claremont. There was also the tie-dye tie sheet hung to cover the shopsmith. Everyone that came over signed the sheet with permanent pen. I think I might still have it somewhere in a box. We 
They spent time at the roller rink in San Mateo and played bumper pool at the Burlingame Recreation Center Team Club. That was very good at bumper pool. I joined the San Francisco Ensemble, a theater group that performed Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. We performed all over the Bay Area, including Pacific High School, a free school in La Honda, where students were free to study what they wanted or not. Wanting to go back one weekend, I left home after school, leaving my parents a note telling them not to worry and that I'd be home on Sunday. They worried. They found my diary. With the help of the sheriff, they found me. That was the beginning of the end of good relationships with my parents for ten years. I was thirteen. I informally changed my name to Marion Logan. At the end of eighth grade, my parents thought it would be fun for me, e.g. let's get her away from all those kids, to spend the summer with my uncle Jim in Oregon. It was a great summer, listening to Leon Russell cassette tapes and by night, if the weather was just right, KGO on the radio. High school years were September 1972 to June 1975. I graduated a year early, having gone to summer school to complete driver's ed in U.S. history. I was also helped by tearing my knee cartilage during field hockey as a freshman, reducing my need for PE classes to only two years. Girls' swimsuits were left over from the 1940s, I think. My mother probably wore the same ones. I met Paul Carter at the coffee house my freshman year. We were together for two years. He would hitchhike from San Bruno to visit, to visit me. On the weekends, we'd drink Budweiser beer, hang out in various parks, protest the Vietnam War, or go to Winterland to see the Grateful Dead or the Beach Boys. I had a dream of us in a four-poster bed and spent my last high school year taking shop class, the first girl admitted, and building a bed. I won the Senior Art Award for it. Summer 1975, Brother Jim and I traveled to visit Aunt Dorothy in L.A., Cousin Dennis in Phoenix, and Four Corners. Then, we, then we, drove, we drove fast to stay ahead of a storm in Colorado. We went through Fields, Oregon. Uncle Jim had died by then. And landed in Fort Townsend, Washington, at the Town Tavern in its heyday with my friend Muffy, who turned out to be my third cousin, starting my interest in genealogy. She and I went to Vancouver hitchhiking after a ferry ride, then home by August in time to babysit for my sister and her husband when they left to spend a month in, Oregon, in Alaska. I got to take care of Jenny, Terry, and Jeff. I had been babysitting them on and off for five years, but this was a whole month playing mom, the best birth control a person could ask for. The last half of the decade was spent working at Drury Photocolor, selling books door-to-door for Southwestern Company in Pennsylvania, then farming pictures at the Great American Framing Shop. Framing pictures at the Great American Framing Shop. All while going to college in San Mateo. Though my initial major was biology, a high school field trip to the Standard Oil Refinery because I was a chemistry because I was in a chemistry class, hard but fun, influenced me to change my major to engineering. Meeting Jeff Bicker at Drury's influenced me to change it again to electronics technology and listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen with Asbury Park friend Pete Shorey at Winterland. Selling books door-to-door for Southwestern along with Social Security money received because of my father's disability, emphysema, allowed me to go to Cal Poly. A professor I had to find success for me. Success is having a job you look forward to each morning and a home life you look forward to returning to each night. It was it has stuck with me ever since. 
I interviewed for several jobs during my senior year. I really wanted to work on developing holographic theater, so I interviewed with Spectrophysics for a field engineering job in Europe. I also interviewed for several jobs at Intel where my brother Gene worked. They had an opening in their Santa Cruz facility. I'd always wanted to live in Santa Cruz after vacationing there every year as a child. Intel could also hire me in December with a start date in June. I said yes. Needing seven additional units to graduate, I signed up for a semester at sea. Robin and I were supposed to go together, but she could not acquire financing. Not sure I could either. I was going to borrow the money from Dad. I would be paying it back at $300 per month, more than I lived on. My professor said to look at it in terms of regrets. What would I regret if I borrowed the money? That I'd have a big debt for three years. And if I didn't, that I missed the opportunity to travel to exotic places. I might regret my whole life. The decision was made. I was on my way for a semester at sea. Because of my hesitancy, I took 21 units my last semester and graduated in December of 1979. 1980s, adulthood. In the late 70s, cocaine was the drug of choice. We stayed up at night, had a beer and a line every now and then, and which kept the conversation going well into the morning. Between Jeff's birthday, December 4th, my graduation from Cal Poly Christmas, Lynn's birthday was the 29th, New Year's Eve, my birthday, and my departure for semester at sea, there was plenty of reason to celebrate. I'm glad I left, or addiction might have taken hold. When you do a line in the morning to get started on the day, it's a sign you are getting close. Looking back, I'm very glad I had an exciting trip to trip ahead, and a good job at Intel waiting for me when I returned. Remembering an earlier self-rule, never get pregnant or addicted, also helped. February 2nd, my parents dropped me off at the train station where my boyfriend from Cal Poly, John, picked me up and we drove to Long Beach, stopping at Disneyland on the way. How did the trip make me who I am today? It probably made me a little braver. I was a wallflower, an observer. I had been that way since grammar school when I pretended to be a spy. I made enough friends to have people to travel with in Hawaii. The first night in Japan, I wanted to take a Japanese bath. I got a card from our on-ship coordinator to tell the taxi driver to take me to the baths and the ship side address to get me back. The driver did not want to take a single woman to the baths. I chickened out. I stayed by myself on board ship. Met a few girls to travel with in Taiwan. China was a coordinated managed trip. I met Jane on the way to Singapore. We were great travel and shipboard friends and remain so to this day. I learned that having one good friend is better than a group of acquaintances. I tried to teach that to my children. You don't need to be immensely popular. You just need one or a few good friends. I still believe that. Over 60 years, I've collected many good friends. My chosen family. I think I'm going to pause. Gravitating towards somebody else's universe. Describes the atmosphere online as 
They've been successful in pushing everybody into these little ghettos of these Facebooks and these tweets and these Instagrams. These instants. This is the ghettos. This is corporate. They're taking your energy. They're taking your energy and you're getting nothing in return. Nothing. There is no human there. You're being programmed and being automated even up to your news. The same corporate glaze over everything. I'm just warning this country. Yes. You don't get this false sense that you are an individual when you're on Facebook. No, you're not. You're a pawn in their scheme. So this story starts because we have all put ourselves into our own ghetto. We don't know each other. We don't talk to each other about the world and what shapes it in us. I invite each of my siblings to share how we came to be the people we. Here is my story. 1950, age 0-2, to start. This decade started with the Korean War, which was really a war on communism. A country run by bureaucrats for the people, where the product of their effort was to be shared with all the people, but the people don't get to choose. They don't get to vote. They get to vote and in return are housed and fed. But you don't get to get more if you work harder under communism, which of course is the American way. Where capital of benefit received through hard work or creative thought is kept by those who produce it. <clears throat> At some point we all agreed, via voting for politicians to represent us, that there are those who produce it. That is a Republican statement. At some point, we all agree. They are voting for politicians to represent us. That there is some responsibility by those who own the capital to share at least some of the common good. Taxes were levied on those who received the benefits of capitalism <coughs> and spent on things that would benefit everyone. Roads, schools, and a military to protect us in our way of life. After the war, for which we felt was worth obliterating 50% of most all the cities in North Korea, we settled. China and North Korea remained communists. South Korea got its freedom, but no one was really happy. I wasn't born until the end of the 50s, so they only had an indirect impact on me. I wasn't quite two years old at the end of the decade. Uncle Jim and Marion, 1958, Shoreview. March, Marion, Papa, Christmas, 1958. 1960s, age 2 to 12. The formative years. The formative years were from the age of 2 to 12. My early education probably took similar to the one of the previous generation received. See Dick Run. Run, Dick Run. Was in the first, was the text in first grade. Period. In second grade, I met Carol Pulley. This is a new page. Add flag. My father. This is from the perspective of my mother. Norman was still living at home at the age of 31 when he decided to marry the divorced redhead with a daughter. He knew his mother would come to love them as he did someday. It was another way to prove himself a self-made man. Period. New life. 
It seemed he was often doing that to overcome both his small stature and the fact that he lived in the shadow of his brother Jean, who died when Norman was only eleven. Jean, twenty-one. You're right. Norman believed in truth, honesty, and integrity. He knew he was being true to himself when he gave up his job in sheet metal to start a card room behind Harry's bar, even with three kids and a wife. He would be doing what he loved. He would be around friends, give the opportunity to gamble in a safe and trustworthy environment. He passed this legacy on to his children. We always repay our debts, tell the truth, and try to be happy. We are faithful and trustworthy. We thank Norman for being who he was every day. A good man and a loving husband and father. It's very sweet. Very, very sweet and kind. And it's a wonderful homage to a man whom you would clearly love very much. My father's characteristics. Again, from the perspective of my mother. My father was religious, but not spiritual, period. He was honest and made a point to always keep his word, period. Okay, I'm no longer going to continue to say period. I'm only doing, I've only done it for so long because I need to point out that you need to use semicolons more. You don't need to use a period after every line. Use semicolons, please. Thank you. He had integrity. He was trustworthy. He expected others to have these characteristics as well. If they were to stay in his life, they needed to keep their agreements, be honest, trustworthy, and moral, aligned with the teachings of the Catholic Church. He was athletic and enjoyed eating, golf, and risk-taking. He trusted himself. He was fun, playful, and a good storyteller. New line. Though some of his beliefs softened with age when I was growing up, sex outside of marriage was wrong. Lying was wrong. Being disrespectful to your parents was wrong. A man should take care of his family and his wife. Sorry. Family is more important than anything else. He was not tolerant of others' opinions. And he did not support girls going to college, especially in engineering, telling me, well, maybe you'll find a husband. That being said, I never saw him more proud than at my college graduation or my wedding. section. My mother's characteristics. My mother cared about people. She was helpful and responsible. She was tolerant of others' beliefs and took great interest to learn about other cultures and religions. She was spiritual but not religious. She was honest but knew how to keep a secret. She was protective. She didn't tell my father everything she knew. She didn't tell him about things we did or about how she could fix things. She was self-reliant. She was a good listener. She had many friends, some of her high school days. She had a good sense of humor, was creative, friendly, social, and involved in the community. Next page. Words of wisdom. Let go, let God. I'm going to say that again after I take a drink. Flag. <laughs>